Hello, and welcome to So Divine. I'm Megan Skinner. And I'm Stephanie Galing. And this is our monthly podcast where we look at what the astrological climate is for the month, what's going on, and give you tools to just negotiate everything in a way that will enhance your everyday life. And this is our podcast for February. So February is a big month. We're going to be talking eclipses. So Stephanie, why don't you start us out? So twice a year, there's a series of eclipses, and I like to call it eclipse season. And we have them right now. Actually, the lunar eclipse was on January 31st, and there is an upcoming solar eclipse on February 15th. The thing about eclipses, even though they're a happening that happens on a certain day, from an astrological energetic perspective, we're talking about more of an extended field of energy. Also, because astrologers have feel that eclipses, sort of the inspiration of them come in weeks before and then continue as they unfold weeks or even months after, there's this field of time that is not just limited to one date or two dates. So that said, you know, that the eclipse, here we are, it's in February, but the first eclipse was on January 31st, right? We still felt like it's important to talk about that eclipse in context with the one that actually happens in February. And not only the one that happens in February, but also looking backwards to the, so that big solar eclipse that happened in August, right? Because the lunar eclipse that happened yesterday at the end of the month was also in Leo. Exactly. And the solar eclipse that happens in February, we're going to, we're going to talk about in a second, like more detail about, but it's this mirror eclipse yes. of the one in August. Yes. So first to sort of set that context then, right? Like the one on July 31st was a full moon lunar eclipse. The sun was in Aquarius, the moon was in Leo. And as we string together this context of what is the relationship between Leo and Aquarius, something that we're yes. learning so much about, right? Like you said, those eclipses in the summer, these eclipses now, and even two out of the three eclipses um, that will occur this coming summer, right, in July and August, and this is where the lunar nodes are, how does Leo and Aquarius connect. Yes, yes. This is all about, there's so much energy right now with these eclipses. And like you said, the lunar nodes also in Leo and Aquarius, bringing in that polarity of Leo, which is that individual dharma, your individual sovereignty, your creative expression in service of the greater good or collective, the humanity, which is Aquarius is so much about, and then the greater good going back into the individual which is very much the whole age of Aquarius that we're in. Right, exactly. You know, and so how do those relate, right, where the we can feel that great sense of sovereignty, but not at the expense of the collective, and we can feel that coming together with our brothers and sisters, yes. like that shared vision for, you know, social and earthbound progress without the denigration right, of the uniqueness of the individual. And it feels like this is one of the really strong themes or invitations. Mm -hmm. So just quickly to say also about the one, the eclipse on, on January 31st, right, is what was also really striking about it is that connected to the Leo moon was the dwarf planet Ceres. Right, right. Both of which, the moon, the representation of mother, 
right? And also what feeds us, what nourishes us. And Ceres, the fierce mother. She who protects to an incredible extent the sanctity of her creations. Mm. So if that's also part of what's coming in for you, that sense of just like fierce connecting to like, what is it that I love? What have I shepherded? And how can I galvanize my heart, very Mm. Leo, to stand for? Yes, those people, animals, my art, my creativity, (laughs) my society, my community, right? That sense of just really rising to that and feeling that. Right. And part of that is because it's also with the moon and the moon is the deep mother energies. And this is also goddess energy, right? So much goddess energy. And, you know, I get so many questions from clients saying, you know, what is going on with all this feminine rising happening on the planet? And there's a lot of different reasons for it. We'll probably talk a little bit more about that. But this is all a part of kind of like the resurgence of the goddess. Yeah, it's really incredible, right? I mean, we've seen that through time, but I also think just really spectacularly in this month, right, from even thinking about the Women's March, you know, and I did that Instagram post on the astrology of the Women's March, and that that chart, that opportunity really can, so much goddess energy, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Venus with the sun. And also we had both Ceres show up really strongly in that chart and Juno, which we're going to talk about with the February 15th eclipse. So there's all this very strong goddess energy that also feels really um, palpable too, right? As we have Jupiter and Scorpio and the unearthing Uh, of the hidden secrets, right? And women coming forth with um, experiences of you know standing for each other with, with of abuse and of sexual manipulation and what have you, but and there's just this all this claim not just with women right yes. with men with people across gender spectrum in terms of connecting to goddess energy connecting to different facets of the feminine right and you know in Leo it's a fierce goddess right you know one of the things that I've seen out there is is that you know the goddess is back and she's pissed right <laughs> and that's like you know that's that fierce Leo energy. Yeah, right? And Ceres, right? Like, the goddess is pissed. Like, what (laughs) did you do to my progeny? Like, what did you do to this earth? You know, so there is that. So how do you, if you're feeling that, how can you constructively channel that energy? Well, I think one of the ways to look at it is, again, on that uh, Leo Aquarius polarity is, you know, to have your fierce opinions and anger, whatever's going on, but to creatively and constructively channel it for the uprising of the greater good. We're all in this together, right? And that's what's so powerful about this. It's not just one person or one woman. It's like a sisterhood or, you know, or everybody coming together. And again, that's that collective Aquarian energy. Right. Right. Where you're not standing alone in that. And that also becomes a thread to connect you to this larger context. Yes. Of society, of humanity. Yes. So that's that. (laughs) That's piece of that. Right. And I, you know, also, I think it's also really interesting with these eclipses to kind of go back to where you were with the first eclipse, solar eclipse in Leo, and see where you are now and where you are when we come into the eclipse uh, mid-month. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's so, I mean... 
look, there was an eclipse in earlier in, in August, right? And then there was this eclipse in January, and there's the eclipses this upcoming summer or winter for our friends in the Southern <laughs> Hemisphere, you know, July and August. But what's interesting is that August 21st eclipse, which was a really big deal, especially in North America, right? The, yes. great, um, the great solar eclipse because it was visible right. throughout the, you know, the contiguous United States, that that was at about 29 degrees of Leo. This upcoming eclipse in Aquarius is at 28 degrees. Yeah. So it's pretty much close. Aquarius. So it's as if... There's this center place, right? And in the summer, in August and September, you may have been getting a vantage point of something that was being created or invited into your life. Mm. And now we are approaching or we're in this field of that same or similar context, but you're on the other side of it. Yes. So you're getting a whole other, almost like a 180 degree vantage point. So is something then therefore coming to conclusion? Or are you seeing another aspect that then allows you to say, oh, that which I saw unfolding, right? And solar eclipses are about beginnings, but oftentimes they're also about the yes. endings that precede beginnings so that the cl the field is clear for something to really emerge. That which was coming in then at the end of, you know, of August and September, how is, like you say, how is the time now similar? Something mm -hmm. revisiting? Yes. And what new awareness do I have upon it? Right. Where, you know, I was kind of looking at it like, how have I evolved mm. since then? You mm -hmm. know, what has been my journey? Now, I have Leo rising. And, of course, this all depends on where it falls on your chart. But for some with Leo rising, I do have to say it's really been kind of this evolution around kind of how I put myself out there in the world in relationship or in collaboration with others. Yes. Nice. Really nice. Yes. And so that February 15th eclipse... Again, in Aquarius, we are inviting in, just from a collective perspective, because like you say too, like where is it in your chart? That will also really give you details of the invitation mm -hmm. that is arising for you personally. And in, Aqu and in Aquarius, just in terms of that archetype, it's about the collective, yes. about networks, about the sort of larger picture, about progress, about where do we come together in a maybe out-of-the-box, innovative way to rebel against current structure or consensus to find that anew. Mm -hmm. And as I alluded to before, what's interesting about this eclipse as well, the one on February 15th, is that Right around that 28-degree Aquarius mark, we have Juno mm. and we have Mercury. So Mercury, the planet of communication. So this whole sense of, you know, there will be news or you may find yourself more desirous of learning more about that which is coming to you or sh sharing the message of that which is coming to you. And Juno. So Juno was the wife of... Uh, this is where, right, we talked about this before. Wait, is this Roman or is this Greek? Like, Juno was the <laughs> wife of Zeus, right? And Hera was the wife of, no, Juno Ju was the wife of Jupiter. Jupiter. Right. There you go. And Hera, right, her Greek counterpart was the wife of Zeus. Yes. Okay, so Zeus or uh, Jupiter, whoever you want to look at, were was a he was a great god, the king of the pantheon, but <laughs> was one of the greatest philanderers. And so this was the wife who stood mm. by 
and just still stayed very loyal to her husband, right? So Juno is actually the the asteroid related to partnership and marriage. Mm -hmm. So we have this notion again about like, there is this theme about partnership and the partner and the loyal partner. Now, interestingly, Hera, unlike Juno, Hera didn't go against Zeus with her outrage of this, but she did take it out on the women or sometimes animals or what have you that he had affairs with. Oh, interesting. So you do get this like loyal wife, but you also get this woman against woman thing. And so I do feel like that is something that we can look at in this time is both what is partnership? How do I be a good partner? How do I be a good partner to myself in partnership? Right. As well as is there collectively looking at that cost, you know, thinking about like women's cattiness or people's cattiness mm-hmm. because of jealousies. Right. Right. And really, I feel like that's some of the collective issues that may arise for us to look at that we're being invited to. Kind of like the dark side of the yes. goddess. Right. With exactly. that feminine energy. Exactly. Yes. And again, as you brought up and we talked a little bit about is this is a mirror eclipse. Yes. To the one on August 21st. So what, you know, how, what was your, what journey began for you and how may it be rising again to your consciousness? What insights are you getting? And for you, Stephanie, do you want to tell us a little bit about what happened for you on that journey from August till like now or coming up? Yeah. So thinking about that for myself, that eclipse occurred, the one in August occurred in my fourth house. Right, really close to the bottom of my chart. The fourth house being related to where do I find my sense of ground, mm. my sense of roots? Mm-hmm. Where do I feel at home? This is for anybody, right? Your yes. fourth house represents this. Where do I feel at home? With whom do I feel at home? So that was a really big time for me related to family, mm-hmm. right? both my family with my husband's family, like this whole notion of feeling more grounded because of new dynamics in family. Mm. But interestingly enough, also brought this issue for me about my home related to my work ah, and my okay. office and where do I do my work. And so it's interesting now with this eclipse that's arising for in February 15th, it's it's opposite. So mm-hmm. it is at the very top of my chart in the 10th house oh, related to my career. And so what's being brought back to me is this notion of definitely both family themes, but also this notion of how is it that I can feel more at home in the work that I do? And that is coming up for me everything from like should, we talked about this before, like, sh- you know, when we were having coffee, you know, looking for a new office. Like, yes. where do I want to do my work? Do I want to come, you know, back to Seattle and have an have a, like a permanent office again? Right. But also, like, what's the structure of my work? Like doing more ongoing astrologically inspired life coaching with people that has me feel a greater sense of being at home in my work. So it's an interesting play and it's interesting again the timing like I'm so in awe of the timing right and it's also so interesting that it's gone from your fourth house and that home aspect right and you even like took your work into your home for a while right right? and now it's evolved upwards into your 10th house into your midheaven up in there the career house and you're like going okay I'm ready to take it out of my home and kind of put it in that outer structure in the world what an interesting evolution it's really interesting so I would encourage everyone listening to look to see like 28, 29 or so Aquarius and Leo, 
Mm-hmm. Where do they fall on your chart? You know, which houses do they fall in? If you don't know your chart, you can look. You can go to astro.com. You could do your chart for free, and you can see which houses are they falling in, and or do they connect to any planets? Or even I would yes. say the other fixed signs around that degree range in Taurus or Scorpio, and to see what may be inspiring being inspired for you personally with this eclipse cycle. Right. Do we also want to mention that uh, someone that does have this eclipse happening right on their ascendant, a a well-known political figure. Do you know who I'm talking about? I do know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, actually, so the one on August 21st in Leo at 29 right, degrees right. occurred We're talking on about the, president. the president's ascendant, right? Yes. The sense of self, sense of orienting and navigating. And this one in February now occurs opposite that on the point descended, the point of relationships. And interestingly, mm. that's in the seventh, related the beginning of the seventh house, which is also its relationships, its partnerships, it's the other. And also the seventh house is the house of open enemies. <gasps> Right. So, you know, here yes. we are just in the beginning of the month and like yeah. who knows, but we've already seen so much activity mm-hmm. related to, you know, Robert Mueller and the possible yep. interview and the FBI di- assistant FBI director just resigned and all of this sort of movement. So it's just we will there's lots of activity occurring. A lot of it's very eclipsed. That's yes. the other thing with eclipses. Remember, it's not that these life-shifting events and awareness are very clear to you on those days. Things are eclipsed. Right. You feel something's happening. Something's changed. But it's, it takes weeks and oftentimes months for the obscurity of the feeling of eclipse to lift for yes. it to become clear. Yes. So Now, also what's so interesting about the Aquarius new moon eclipse is that like with any Aquarius new moon it ushers in a new year from a Chinese um, astrology perspective yes right and tell us about that well this year we are going into and this starts on February 16th um, we are going into the year of the earth dog and you know uh, I find it very fascinating because I'm a dog <laughs> and so and so it's mostly going to be a very auspicious year for us dogs and you can go online and check out how each of the zodiac signs in the Chinese zodiac uh, relate to the year of the dog but I did some research on it and I want to read you this quote um, because it really sums up the energy of what this year of the dog is going to be like and so it says actions based solely on individual drive and demagogy, are unmasked and rejected by the majority, giving way to more universal values of empathy and social justice. Wow, right? So powerful. So kind of Aquarian age, right? The other thing about dogs, about us dogs, is, you know, we're the sign that's known to be very loyal and we're trustworthy companions. And the dog is very generous and really invokes that energy of compassion and empathy for others, right? So here we're starting to see this energy. And and we were talking about this. It feels very Librian to me, right? Because this is a time where social justice and, um, you know, universal security and the truth and what's really important, what do we value, is really going to be highlighted and emerging. And also, this is a time where I think we're going to be seeing some 
some new and innovative voices really emerge out there speaking their truth. But I also feel like this is a time where, you know, the wise elders, right, are going to also be heard. And so this is really this time of coming in to our truth in one voice, both individually and collectively which is so powerful. Which is so powerful. And again, that mirroring or that reflection of the Leo and the Aquarius. Right, right. And so different than 2017, which was the year of the rooster, right? And, you know, the rooster is fiery and an upstart and cock-a-doodle-doo and all of that. So this dog energy just, and I'm already feeling it, just feels a little bit calmer. It feels a little bit more grounded. And even there's all this chaos going on in the world just kind of feel like our roots are a little bit stronger nice it's interesting because i feel that like that overlaid with we have this whole year next two and a half years of saturn and capricorn which is also very like more solid and slow and grounded Mm -hmm. almost feels like is that true like the capricorn energy with the dog energy as a combination well one of the things about you know uh with the chinese zodiac is they also bring in the elements Mm. so this is not only the year of the dog this is the year of the earth dog so when you talk about capricorn and saturn you know it feels that's that earth component to me that's that grounded that loyal you know a little bit more conservative you know solid as a rock it's got that nice kind of grounded earth energy wow and not to jump too far ahead but can i just say what this makes me think of right is that you know this year versus years before at least the the handful of years where we have shifted into you know with Jupiter going into Scorpio so there's this water and obviously Neptune and Pisces but we got Saturn going into Capricorn and earth sign and then we'll have about 6 months of a preview from <laughs> May to November of Uranus and Taurus another right. earth sign yes, so yes. then we also have this earth dog so there is this entry this opening to this earth energy which sort of takes me back to like again this January 31st eclipse with the moon with Ceres right that earth goddess right 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 I think it's just I and I also think you know as uh, the planet is kind of on this path of awakening if you will we're realizing how important the earth is like you know when you think about that earth dog is we're really valuing you know this planet that we're inhabiting you know what I mean and taking better care of it taking better care of others taking better care of ourselves uh, and just taking better care of the planet as well so you being a dog or born in the year of a dog like how is this like how will you approach or what do you think the year of the dog will open for you or and other dogs out there i really feel like for the dogs out there my (laughs) sense the dogs out there are are um it feels a little bit like a full circle. Mm. You know what I mean? And as in Western astrology, Chinese astrology has 12 signs. So uh, one rotation through all the signs happens every 12 years. So again, if we're kind of doing this full circle moment, it's really interesting to see where you were like 12 years ago and where you are today. And I know 12 years ago, I was in a time of great life, major change. And I feel like um, what's coming full circle for me is now that change is able to kind of actually be freed up and maybe expressed in the world in a more earthy, stable, consistent, 
grounded way. I don't think I was ready for it before. I feel like I'm more grounded in my own dog energy, if that makes sense. So I think for everyone, but dogs in particular, it talks a lot about new business opportunities, new ventures, uh, innovation, uh, and uh, new creative expressions. This is supposed to be a time where that is flourishing as well. Uh, It's a great time to really center in your truth. That's true for everyone, but dogs especially, and really becoming an advocate for the truth. That's kind of what it feels like to me. Yeah, great. And so for everybody out there, if you're not sure what year you were born in, just go online. Exactly. Online resource and just say, put in your year. And it does shift around January or February, depending upon the year. So you want to put in like, you write your month and your year, and then you can see which which animal, right? animals, right? Yes. Which animal you are. Yes. Wonderful. 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 So now let's shift back to Western astrology for a minute. And let's talk a little bit about some of the other astro, what we're calling the astro sprinkles <laughs> for the month. Because it's not just all about the eclipses. Right. There's other stuff going on. So this is a little sprinkling of what the other planets are doing. Plus, I love that you're calling it sprinkling because what <laughs> we're going to talk about is like Pisces season, yeah. which feels so sprinkly yes, and watery. And yes. So, um... On the 18th of February, right, we move from Aquarius season, meaning the sun was in Aquarius, to Pisces season, meaning yes. the sun enters to, into Pisces. And in that, we, you know, Pisces is very much about the connectivity, right? Mm-hmm. The sort of, as I call it, like namaste consciousness, this <sighs> unity consciousness, right? This sense of unboundariedness. So it's where there's empathy and connection, this sort of sense of... Um, compassion, artistry, connecting to the mm-hmm. muse, this sense of the dream, like living yes, the dream or yes. wanting the dream to be real. Um, so again, it's more of a time where there's a sense of sort of being in the flow or going with the wave and connecting to like what may seem irrational, but it's really the most rational because it's where your heart and soul want to go. That said, as with every sign, right, you want to check for like, where is it that you're like, living the dream, but it's really a fantasy right. that can't really right. have ground. Right. Or where are you, like, there's no boundaries, so you're connecting, but you're becoming an enabler. Like, you right. know, you just want to watch, <laughs> like, where do you do the martyr thing? Like, these are all things in terms of with Pisces season. But what I wanted to talk about, what we wanted to talk about was, you know, so this is that shift that occurs on the 18th. And then also by the 18th, you also have two other planets yes. in Pisces. You have right. Mercury, the planet of communication, and you have Venus, the planet of what is beautiful to me. What am I attracted to, right? The mm. sense of relationship. So there's these, plus you have Neptune. So you have a lot, there's four planets out of 10 that are mm. in Pisces. So there is this sense of, you know, wave and flow and connectivity. Um, a couple of dates to look to that really reflect this as well. Mm -hmm. Um, One is actually right before Pisces season, which is the day before on the 17th. We have Mars squaring Neptune. You know, I always feel like Mars and with Neptune, sort of one of the ways to really use it, Mars being the warrior, Neptune being this planet of poetry and spirituality is like, where can you be a greater um, spiritual warrior? Like how do you use your energy to fight for love? 
right? The eternal love. Where do you use your energy to fight for things that are art or beauty that moves, touches, inspires you and other people? Mm -hmm. That said, you know, not to Pollyanna that, like, let's look at the other side of that. The things to be careful about would be um, Neptune can be dissipative, right? And the sense of like just your energy dissipating, um, feeling low energy, feeling overly sensitive, people being a little bit spacey in how they get from point A to point B. You want to really be like on the mark and paying attention if you're driving. Make sure that like (laughs) your feet aren't really on the ground when you're navigating your space. So that's one thing I would say about that. Right, Um, right. Do you want to say anything you want to share? No, about I just, that you know, piece? I just, the thing about, I have my moon in Pisces and just finished, uh, we talked about this in the last podcast about having Neptune on my moon, right? And, you know, it's, it's, it's really quite delicious in so many ways because your artistic and compassion, like you use the word poetic spirit, really comes through, but it also can be disorienting, right? So it's kind of like, what is the balance between giving yourself permission to maybe swim mm-hmm. in some of these higher waters or creative waters or spiritual waters but also you know not getting like you say not getting lost there you know just using this inspiration and being able to channel it in some ways right that's where it really can be quite profound i pisces is a profound sign you know it's you know it represents our connection to the divine you know what i mean and so there's such an opportunity in this and i also think about with pisces that um Especially with Venus there, you know what I mean? That this could be a really creative period as well because uh, Neptune has so much to do with the imagination, Yeah. right? And so to give yourself permission to imagine, you know, what those possibilities are could be really amazing. Yeah. You know, and you use the phrase about being lost, right? On some <laughs> level, I feel like Pisces and Neptune, part of the invitation is I don't know if you can con- be, do this constructively, like to find yourself through losing yourself. Ooh, that's good. But yeah, right? By through <laughs> yes. prayer, through meditation, yeah. with connection to the divine or the muse. That said, we can see where some people lose themselves and they are lost. Yeah. Right? So there is that thing where you have to be careful in terms of like, you know, with both Pisces and Neptune, like escape fantasies right or like where where do you you know this is one thing to look at during Pisces season is where do you escape why do you feel you know what are your triggers that make you want to flee or escape and how do you escape and are your ways of escaping are they you know move you towards ease and health or do they move you towards dis-ease you know Pisces rules addiction Right. You know what I mean? It's ruled by Neptune. And, uh, you know, Neptune, I always say it's so funny. Neptune represents creativity and the divine and spirituality and drugs and alcohol and addiction. Uh-huh. Right. And so that's, the, you know, another part of that dark side is that wanting to escape, to not wanting to be here, to be wanting to be in transcendent levels. And there's ways to be transcendent and there's ways to be transcendent. Right. And it's just looking at how you work with that in your own life and your own psychology. Yeah. And how, right, I love thinking about that word that you just brought up. Like, how can we be transcendent? Like, be here and not, no, no, it's not not about being here and not here, but it's like, how do you be transcendent while you're here and you're embodied? 
right? right? So that you're not fleeing. But the thing with Pisces, right, if you're feeling everything, right. you're so sensitive, it's hard, right? Like the eternal vision of like love and beauty <laughs> and unicorns and all of that that like we stream, <laughs> but then it's like this is a hard world. Like it can be a really... So how do you find the nourishment of finding the beauty feel, you know, not close off. So feel the suffering or feel the pain, but not have it inundate you and flood you where then you drift away. Well, as someone with a Pisces moon, what I can say is there's one word for that, and that word is boundaries. Yes. It's all about boundaries during this time. If you can be the vessel with really good boundaries, whether that's energetic, like getting up and setting your energetic boundaries, being intentional, you know, really doing things that connect you to the earth, then you become this very intentional boundary vessel, you know, to inhabit all that transcendent energy. Ooh, the boundary vessel. I love that with all the water and all the earth. It's all about the boundaries. It's all about the boundaries. So just in terms of some dates, on um, the 21st of February, we'll have Venus with Neptune. On the 25th, we will have Mercury, the planet of communication with Neptune. So again, all of this that we're speaking to, and it's not just, it's only that day on the 21st, like there's this field. I'd say that whole week is very strong. In terms of some things that one could do, when it, some of the things that come to mind immediately for this would be flower essences, yes. right? And the flower, two flower essences. One, I think about yarrow, the flower essence yarrow that is really good at bolstering the sense of of an energetic field, right? My aura, like, and then what comes in, what comes out, sort of that sort of spiritual, energetic, almost like membrane as if we were like the cell (laughs) membrane in terms of like not being flooded by other people's stuff or not bleeding out your energy. And also pink yarrow, which is similar but different. It works more on an emotional level, right? So you can still be empathetic or compassionate, but not be aware and discerning about Wait, that's not my feeling. That's mm, yours. Right. And so you can have that separation that allows you to really locate that sense of that emotion or that feeling. Mm. What's mine? What's yours? And being responsible to not take on others. So those are two things in terms of we talk a little bit more about wellness. I could do it now, actually, about the yes. eclipses. But um Okay, so I will. <laughs> yeah, go, no, go ahead. Let's, because I love that idea of you know really using the flower essences to work with these energies yeah. in a, in a powerful way. Yeah. So I was thinking too in terms of this this even the whole month, you know, with this eclipse field that we're in, this amplified energy, and it's Aquarius, and Aquarius is very energetic and electrical, and our nervous system and our bioenergetic system. That yarrow is a really great flower essence, even for the month. And the other thing I was thinking too. too things. One is, you know, people say like, well, what should I do this month? What I would say too is if we are at a time where there's amplified movement, right? Mm. And there's amplified movement, even possibly with information or ideas or within yourself, your own circuitry. And if that has you feeling anxious or Mm. uncentered, what do you do, right? Which is very Leo Aquarius. Like, you know, I can say do this, do that, but really it's about you connect to yourself. When you, in times of stress, what do you know helps you to center and mm. to ground? So I would first go there. That said, there's also some ideas that I have, right? So one, the yarrow was one idea. The other idea is movement, mm. dance or tai chi or qigong or walk in the park or just to move your body so that all of this current doesn't get stuck in your body causing anxiety, decentering, et cetera as well as 
I love the idea of the Epsom salt bath during this mm. time, notably not just because it's relaxing, right? Um, but also if I think about Aquarius as the water bearer. Granted, it's not a water <laughs> sign. It's an air sign. But you have these pictures, right? This emblem of the water bearer pouring from a vessel water and offering it to humankind right right so it's almost like you can be the water bearer be nourished by that and the epsom salts really do help to clear one's um bioenergetic field mm -hmm. so those would be some of my wellness that's suggestions great. for the month that's great and you know um also is it time to talk about the tarot that's card of the month so what's really fun is that uh, before we do the podcast stephanie and i choose at complete random a tarot card for the month and so and Stephanie had the honors today and it was so sublime and so synchronistic the card that she chose for the card for February is the justice card right and so the justice card is ruled by Lib Libra and one of the things uh, as I was you know really researching that year of the dog and talking to Stephanie about it we are both like it feels so Libra you know Libra is very much about truth and social justice and you know uh, fairness right and so here we actually have the justice card of the tarot. So the justice card of the tarot really represents coming to a place of balance. And so you can think about Libra has a tendency to either be at one extreme or the other. And so everybody says, oh, Libras are so balanced. But Libra's karma actually is coming into a place of balance. And so in that, there's a lot of times a lot of adjusting. There's a lot of changing. Libra is a very intellectual sign, and the Justice card is really about taking almost like an analytical review of your life. The Justice card is actually the card that is, it's number 11, and so it's halfway through the major arcana. So when you get to the justice card, you're halfway through your journey. You take a step back and you go, just like the scales, you go, what's working? What's not working? What do I want to bring in? What do I want to let go of? And so it's this energy of really making adjustments in your life so you can reach a, a, a place of beta, greater equilibrium and a greater place of wholeness. It's also a card of really standing for your truth, whatever your truth is in the moment. So this is fitting in very nicely with the zeitgeist of the you're the dog and this Leo and Aquarius. And it just, to me, it's a reminder of just how much the tarot reflects what's really going on within ourselves and out there in the world. So what do you think about that justice yeah, card? Yeah, so quick question. So then within that context, right, that then to look at the justice card as being another guide for the month in terms of like how to orient this month of really connecting to that, right? And it's interesting, right? That tie in with the year of the dog and social justice, but also like speaking your truth. Yes. Right. And the one thing to think about it too, because this feels all very radical. One of the things about the justice card, it really speaks to not going to extremes, mm. to kind of find that, you know, middle ground whenever you can. Now, you know, when you think about justice and which is a card of balance, you know, sometimes to get to a place of balance, uh, like nature, we have to have an extre extreme event, like a big storm or something that clears the energy and gets us back to a place of balance. But ultimately, it's really looking at how can I kind of maybe be on this journey 
without going to extremes. With you know, Libra's a great negotiator and diplomat, and it's been able to maybe separate a little bit from that judgment. And Libra has the ability to see both sides of all equations. And so here, you know, maybe take a step back, you know, get out of your own head for a minute and maybe be able to look at things without judgment, see both sides of the equation and maybe find that middle ground. I love that. Mm -hmm. And you know what also I'm thinking, tell me like your thoughts on this, is that, and I love that word negotiator, right? As the negotiator and also thinking about, we've talked a lot about this balance between Leo and Aquarius mm, yeah. of how, you know, and, and it, like with any full moon or even just looking at the nodes, they're always in opposite signs, right. right? So they're reflections of the center, but they are also showing up as polarities. So most like how, I'm just sort of thinking of this as it's, it's coming to me, is like how can then you know, the negotiator help be your ally in terms of also seeing how you can negotiate between and are weaved together, the Leo and Aquarius? Well, no, this is perfect because we're talking about, you know, the analogy of the North and South Node. And one of the things that when you look for in your astrology chart with the North and South Node is because the South Node represents your karma and your past and your gifts and old behaviors. And the North Node, node is like your North Star. It's where you're going. We don't want either or. We don't want to throw out your south node to get to your north node. Ultimately, we want to find a way for, and this is another very Librian word, how can they collaborate together where you can take that energy, those gifts of the south node, and evolve it by collaborating and integrating with the north node. And I love it. So I think that the nodes are a wonderful way of talking about that balance. Yeah. I almost see when you were talking about that, like I was envisioning like the justice card, like this beautiful <laughs> woman of the justice card, this negotiator sitting in that center point between mm. Leo and Aquarius yes. and saying, okay, Leo, what do you have to teach? Okay, Aquarius. Right? Yes. And then finding that center point or for us, for ourselves, like where does Leo live in my chart? Where does Aquarius live yes. in my chart? And the, this beautiful lady justice right. sitting in the center and helping you to negotiate so that you can weave them together into more of a holistic understanding. I think that is so perfect. I think we've done it. <laughs> Have we done it, Stephanie? So, yes, I think so. I, so that is some of our so that's our so, so divine, divine. In, insights for the month. Now, of course, as the month unfolds, we will each separately and together, very Leo and Aquarius, have more um, thoughts about different things that may be occurring. So please keep in contact with us. You can keep in contact with me on Instagram at Stephanie underscore Galing or find me on my website, stephaniegaling.com. Um, you can subscribe to my blog or to my newsletter. And Megan, how can people find well, and you? I am at meganskinner.com, M-E-G-A-N skinner.com. I'm also on Instagram at Megan Seas and Facebook at author Megan Skinner. And then we also, if you, we'd love to hear your thoughts. If you have questions and we have a, uh, we have an email address, correct? Stephanie, I always forget it. Yes. What is it? It's so divine ventures at gmail.com. And we've loved in January getting your letter. So please like send us notes, send us questions. If you want us to further expand on something or if something wasn't hundred percent clear to you, like, please like let us know also any suggestions that you have for future podcasts and also 
We would love it if you love this podcast to give it a great rating or write a review on iTunes and share it with your community wherever you share things, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whichever networks you use or just emailing it to people. And again, you can find it on iTunes through your favorite podcast app or on both of our websites. Yes. And so thank you again, Megan. Thank you, Stephanie. Fun and so divine. So divine. (laughs) And we will be back next month. We do this the first of the month, so we'll be back and we'll we'll see you again in March. See you in March.